Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. It's a lovely, brisk fall evening. No, is it fall? No, no it's not fall. It's winter. Fall. Whatever. It's February. It is, what is it, 30, 28? Yeah, well, I get so confused when it's 74 on the weekend and then it's, you know, 12. Yeah. Snowing overnight. That'll be good. That's what we need. More <laughs> yeah, snow. no no problems there. No problems at all, at all with that. High of 50 tomorrow. So it, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> this is fine. Um, before we dive into tonight's episode, where we will talk about the Red Ritter basketball team re- recaps from the game this past Saturday against Texas and Austin, then the Monday night blowout of TCU the upcoming schedule. We'll look a little bit into Texas Tech football. Um, definitely touch on baseball as that starts on Friday. Um, before we get there, though, if you want to follow us on Twitter, the show obviously is still at 23Personnel. Two ends there, at Punts Suck. If you want to follow me, Spencer, and you can follow Michael at Michael underscore LBK. You can also follow us on Instagram, Get all the happenings going on there. Um, if you log into your Instagram account, just search 23 Personnel Podcast. You will find us. Um, we've got a lot of stuff posted on our timeline, uh, but also check the stories. We've got things going on there as well. And then finally, for those that just have to have more 23 Personnel stuff, we have a merch and t-shirt store. Check it out over on teespring.com slash stores slash 23-personnel-podcast. If you don't want to type all that in, just go to teespring.com, search 23personnel. It'll get you there. All right, Michael. Yes. You ready to talk about some basketball? I am very ready. Let's do it. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. With a free card! What a shot, Carver Edwards! Already doubled into Tariq. Oh, Andrew puts it down! Already. Odiasi! Throw pars it in! Got caught down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. Good! Over. 
All right, so we are back. Texas Tech is back in the AP Top 25. Barely cracked their rankings uh, Monday afternoon at number 24. Um, after their victory over the Longhorns in Austin, probably a little bit higher after the game on Monday night. But um, uh, let's go back and talk about that game against Texas. Red Raiders end up winning this one 62-57. to not a game that you were super confident about, um, especially when you were at one point down by 16 points. Yeah, it was a it was a rough sled. I mean, that first half was awful. I mean, Tech only shot nine of 23 from the field, 0 for five from three. They shot one free throw the whole first half. I mean, what was it? A whopping 19 points or something in a half. Yeah, they scored 19 points. They were down to 12 at half, so they were able to cut back into the deficit just a little bit. Um, you know, it was a 31-19 halftime lead for the Longhorns. But then you held Texas to only 26 points in the second half, and you kind of exploded, especially considering your first half, you put up 43 points in the second half. Um, and really, it was there, uh, there at the end where – you pulled away late. Um, you you got that five point lead pretty quickly within the last minute and a half or so. Um, you had Holyfield on defense. I think he had three blocks in ninety seconds of game time, two of which were in in, in a portion of the game where Texas Tech was not Texas Tech or well, or where Texas, gosh, was down by one possession or could have got it really close had they scored there. He blocks it two times. Well, one time it goes out of bounds. Another time he blocks it basically to Moretti, um, who then immediately gets fouled, and he goes down and hits free throws. Holyfield, since maybe the the game before, at least OU, and maybe not before, has really come on. He, he's been scoring a lot of points, but he's also been, been showing up a lot in defense and doing it without committing a lot of fouls. Yeah, that's been really key. Uh, I mean, I've I've kind of threw some stats together to, to kind of discuss uh, just kind of overall because his first six Big 12 games, you know, just kind of average. He, uh, he came in with only four rebounds a game, one block, seven points. And kind of the key stat there is, is in those first six games, he only played 22 minutes. And I'm sure that was because he averaged three fouls in those first six games but these last several uh he's played a lot more he's played 33 minutes and has still only averaged three fouls so his production has just skyrocketed basically i mean he went from four rebounds per game to seven one block per game to four seven points per game to 13 i mean almost doubled uh his point total i mean in in like we mentioned a few weeks ago, I know that he even had some blocks taken away uh, against West Virginia because of <laughs> fouls committed by teammates. That um, so he he's been everywhere. Uh, he's he's really emerged. It seems like um, in these recent games, and you know, Tech for whatever reason they they let this Andrew Jones kid just 
I, I think he had 16 of his 18 points in the first half in Austin. And, like, and you know, he, he went cold, and that was, I'm sure, a lot to do with the defense. But that game in Austin was wild. And had Holyfield not been as um, effective defensively. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. In Austin, I mean... (laughs) It's kind of funny to say it now, but Tech may not have made that 16-point comeback. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, and obviously, Texas was missing two key players there in the second half. Jericho Sims was able to come back for a little bit. Um, but then uh, Jace Febris was the one that like really hurt his, his leg. His knee like bent the wrong direction. It was, it was nasty. Um, but, I mean... Injuries are, are a part of any sport. Um, it, it's going to happen. You just have to be able to, and I hate to say take advantage of it, but if that opportunity presents itself, you, you can't let Texas continue to beat you down two of their key players. Um, I, I know a lot of Texas fans thought this was a very winnable game. I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree with them if you look at that 16-point lead. And you're at yeah, home. no kidding. But I also laugh that they considered a game against Texas Tech winnable, like very winnable, um, especially after having seen them go to Lawrence and erase a 15-point deficit. Um, obviously, t- Texans and Kansas are not on, on equal playing field, qual- uh, not quality, talent-wise. Definitely not on the coaching sideline there. Um. But yeah, you, you outscored Texas 43-26 to 26 in the second half. The the Texas shooting, uh, Andrew Jones specifically, went cold. Your defense was able to to drop their the Texas shooting percentage down. But offensively, really, you saw it right really from, from the get-go in the second half. Chris Beard's halftime message had to have been, we're going in the paint. Um, right. Texas Tech was m- much more aggressive in the second half. They drew a lot more fouls. Um, but they also got a lot better shots that they, the ball was moving cleanly through, through the lane for finding open guys and being able to, to finish around the basket. Um, whereas in the first half, you obviously weren't doing that. No. And as we mentioned before, tech only shot one free throw that whole first half. They shot 21 in the second. Yeah. And, and there were a lot of, a lot of Texas fans that were like, Oh, they, they were, they were getting the, the calls from the refs. It's like, 
gosh, a Texas fan complaining about the refs. What is yeah, this? Yeah, at home. I, I don't get it. Nothing to do with Texas Tech being more aggressive. Um, you know, in the first half, you mentioned only shot. Uh, well, it was almost forty percent from the field, but zero. You hit zero five, zero threes. You're zero for five, and only one free throw. In the second half, you put up one fewer shots than you did in the first half. So you shot twenty three times in the first half, twenty two in the second half, but you put up nearly fifty five percent, and then you hit forty three percent from three. You were much more efficient in the second half, um, converting your scoring opportunities into points. Whereas Texas, you dropped their field goal percentage from 37 to 35, so it was not a big drop-off. They went 2 for 11 from behind the arc. Um, and then because they were shooting threes, and they shot 23 on the game, they only got to the line a total of eight times all night, all afternoon. Uh, they were 7 of 8, but only going eight times is, is not really enough in a game like this. No, and I... I got kind of disgusted. I mean, did did you get disgusted in the first half? Were you just kind of thinking, you know, I didn't necessarily think it was over. I want to be realistic, but I, but I was, I was um, actually at my office, kind of catching up a little bit on some stuff, and I had it on my tablet, and I thought, ah, I'm just going to kind of quit paying attention to it for a little while, and they just kept chipping away and kept chipping away. Did you see? Did you did you ever lose faith that this team could win this game? Um, I, I had some doubts in the first half. I, yeah. I was really frustrated. I was like, this is very uninspired. They looked really flat. Um, I was also watching it on mute, which really helped me like to, to disengage from the game. I wasn't like super, um, like I, I was watching it, but I was also like talking to Samantha. She, she was doing, doing some homework and reading and that kind of stuff. So, um, I, I wasn't as engrossed in the game as I probably would have been. I probably would have been a lot more frustrated. But I was really excited in the second half to, to see what they did. Um, and it really feels like Texas Tech was able to take what they did um, in the second half in Austin um, and turn around Monday night and just continue to build on that against TCU. Yeah, uh, they dominated from from the start. I mean, what was it? 11 to two before you even knew the game had started and, and it could have been a whole lot worse really. Yeah. Yeah. The, the beard called off the dogs. Uh, big Russ got some play in time. Savrasov did. And of course, Savrasov was draining threes. I mean, everybody <laughs> could, no one could miss except from the free throw line, which was odd, but it was it's because it's because a, Moretti missed two free throws in the first half. It, it threw everybody which, off. Yeah. Which you know, when was the last time he missed two free throws in a game? I'm sure someone has that stat somewhere. It seems like if he misses one in the game, that's it. It's just one. Yeah, and he got fouled shooting a three, and he misses the first two of them. Um, so it, it, was, it was interesting. Yeah, like you're right. The one thing that really didn't go well Monday night was was free throw shooting. Um, Texas Tech was 11 of 22, so they shot 50% which is a lot lower than, than their season average. They, they were 4 of 12 in the first half. But their slash line, like, it's, it's ridiculous. The first half, it was 62% from the field, 70% from three, and 33% from the, the, the free throw line. Second half, nearly 60% from the field, 
um, they came back to earth a little bit from beyond the arc, uh, only 44%, but then shot 70% of their free throws into the game shooting basically 60% from the field, 60% from three, 50% of the free throw line. Yeah. Just, that's just a ridiculous stat line. I mean, everything went their way. Uh, and, and I don't want to, you know, we've, we've touched on how Holyfield has really kind of stepped up his game. Let's not forget how well Ramsey's playing. I mean, he had 18 in Austin, uh, his first trip to Austin. Um, and, you know, I would say a hostile environment, but there were, it was probably pretty friendly uh, considering the cheers and stuff I heard on TV. It's, a, it's Texas Tech a South. Of, yeah, a lot of Raider <laughs> fans there. So, uh, but he... I mean, he had 18 there. He had 17 last night. Moretti with 17 last night. Um, I mean, Edwards with 14. Everybody was scoring last night. <laughs> That's for sure. Chayla with six. Savrasov with six. He was two for three from beyond the arc, like we were saying earlier. Um, he had five players in double figures last night. Yeah, yeah. And and just to kind of tally it up, the last three halves of basketball, Tech has outscored UT and TCU. 131 to 68. That's a lot of points. Yeah. And and on such a short turnaround, you brought that up, I think, in our Slack chat or somebody did about, you know, you go from playing in Austin on Saturday night to playing home two nights later. And this is the kind of output you see. I mean, it, TCU was the one that looked like they couldn't be bothered to run up and down the court or they looked tired or whatever. But Tech, man, they were... Those legs were fresh. They yeah, it, were not. <laughs> they weren't slowing down for anything. It looked like Tech didn't play on Saturday. Like if, if if you were to watch that game and say, you know, why why are these two energy levels so differently? And you say, well, well, TCU played on Saturday. Then the assumption would be that Texas Tech didn't play on Saturday because of how fresh they looked. To your point, but no, they they both played. Um, both had that same. Turnaround that flight from Dallas to, to Lubbock is an hour, so it's not like it was draining. Um, I mean, it, it's it's a pretty easy trip to get from Lubbock or really anywhere in the old Big Twelve South if, if you're flying. Um, but yeah, the Horn Frogs look just uninspired. the The defensive game plan, uh, Chris Beard said, was to to go after Bain, um, especially after what he did to, to Texas Tech in Fort Worth a couple weeks ago where he had a career scoring night ends up only yes. scoring seven points. Um, yeah. but there was a point where you had Bain so rattled with like 15 seconds left from the shot clock. He threw up a three pointer almost from half court because he, he was just so out of his game. He, the Texas tech defense had gotten so much into his head. He took a really ugly shot with 15 plus seconds left on the shot clock. Yeah, they were completely out of their element. They uh, it's it's bizarre, you know, you you go back and look and it's just bizarre that Tech lost to this team. And I'm sure that was part of the mentality too. I'm sure that was instilled by Beard the, the whole less than 48 hours basically that they had to prepare for this game after winning in Austin. So I've I'm sure that was a part of it. You know, they they wanted to make a point, and Tech shoots really well at home uh, for the most part. They've they've really, you know, they 
did something similar to Oklahoma State uh, not too long ago. Kansas State, they blew them out of the gym, I believe, at home. So it's they're capable of doing that. Um, but this is the first time that we've seen it to this extent. I mean, it was the biggest margin of victory that Tech has had in the Big 12 period ever. And that record was recently, like, it was just set a couple of weeks ago against Oklahoma State at 35. <laughs> right. And not only did you top the 35 points, but you bested that by double digits. You put up 46 um, against Oklahoma State, or not Oklahoma State, against TCU. Um, again, go back to Holyfield and last night's game, he had he added another three three rebounds, three blocks, 10 points in just 23 minutes. So his minutes regressed back. He still had the three fouls, <clears throat> but he was pretty much just as effective um, across the board as he was with the 33 minutes he was getting the, in the previous Big 12 games. Um, and I saw a stat in the game last night that Holyfield had, oh, I can't remember what it was, um, something like 16 blocks going into the last four big 12 games. And then he put up another 16 blocks in those four games. You know, I think it was friend of the show, Rob bro, who, who pointed that out on Twitter. Very nice. Um, so yeah, right now you are 15 and eight, seven and four, um, third place in the big 12, uh, Oklahoma state who's in 10th place is playing in Manhattan tonight. Um, yeah, I, I just threw that in there just to show that the game tonight's not going to affect where Tech ends up. Or, you know, it's not going to affect Tech's standings. No, but those are your two next opponents. Um, Correct. They are playing tonight. So this weekend, you get a little bit of a break, um, which I guess it doesn't really help Oklahoma State because they're playing tonight. Oh, wow. Okay, so that game in Manhattan, Oklahoma State is leading fifty-three to forty-seven with five minutes to go. That's ugly. Yes. <laughs> All right. So you were on the road in Stillwater Saturday at noon. Um, take on the number ten Cowboys, um, and then you're back next Wednesday night. ESPN two at home versus Kansas State. Like we just said, our numbers nine and ten in the conference. So, um, you are in that that stretch of games that everybody's kind of pointed to. Like this is your 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 get right time, um, and I would say you're doing more than just getting right. Um, your momentum is definitely trending upward. There was an article that I read today. I don't have the the link in the document, um, but it basically said if if you track back um, Texas Tech from New Year's that they're a top 20 team. If you track back to the day after they lost to Kentucky, they're like a top 10 team. And then if you go back um, to before they beat West Virginia, since then they're the best team in the country right now, which is just a ridiculous stat. Yeah, it was. I, I saw that too, and I'm I'm unsure how he came up with it, but hey, it favors my Red Raiders, so I'm not going to argue with him too much. But you know, we those who listened two weeks ago, you and I were we were pretty down. We were talking. I don't know. I don't know. Nit maybe. Are we Are we even going to make the tournament? And I think we both 
kind of settled on, okay, we should still make the tournament. And now we're looking at, you know, people are projecting tech to a seven seed to a six seed. I think I've seen a couple of places. Uh, it's, it's kind of the same thing that people kept saying what happened. And we kept talking about it too, that just get through January beards going to figure some stuff out last year. This team was in a very similar spot. Um, and, you know, lo and behold, here we are. I'm, we're still not saying that we're going to be playing on a Monday in April, but it's just, it's, it's, um, the hardest part of the Big 12 schedule is over. Uh, tech's picking up stride, hopefully at the, at the right time. And hopefully that'll carry through the rest of the season and, and into the tournament. Yeah. So that, that article I found, actually, Kyle shared it late last night, but I saw it this morning, uh, it's Tuesday morning. It was from, uh, college basketball, NBC sports. And they were talking about the Bart Torvik, um, statistical rankings. And the quote I want to read for you guys, when it comes to Texas tech, they jumped up into the top 20 nationally with this win over the horn frogs, but they are top five team in the country since January 1st. So I had the numbers all wrong since January 1st, according to, to Torvik, they've been a top five team. If you whittle that data set down to January 26th, the day after they lost to Kentucky and the day before they beat West Virginia at home, Texas Tech has been the best team in all of college basketball. That's nuts. There's some good which, teams out there too. Which also includes a, a loss in that streak. It's not like he just cherry-picked and said, okay, let's get like their, their three most recent wins. Like the Kansas defeat there and, and Lawrence is, is included in that stretch. Um, right. And, and that wasn't a pretty game. I mean, tech got down big early. They made a game of it at the end, but just never, never really felt in it until the last three minutes. Yeah. So there, your, your net rankings, your Ken Palm, your Torvik, all that, all the kind of stuff that is goes into consideration for postseason rankings and not rankings, but uh, seeding positions, all those things are trending up. Um, consensus, I think, is top twenty. A lot of a lot of places have you top fifteen, um, and moving up. You got to take care of business week this weekend, this upcoming week against the bottom two teams in the conference, which on the road in Gallagher Iba has always been an issue, um, especially if Waters just shoots lights out. Um, home against Kansas State, the following game. Um, you always seem to do well at home, but you need to continue the streak to continue to do well. If you want to, to maintain your position in the big 12, um, unless Baylor just falls off a cliff here, <laughs> I don't think you'll be catching them for like a regular season title, but you may be getting hot enough to make a run in the big 12 tournament. Um, and then definitely in any postseason play. Right, right. And I, I wanted to correct myself earlier. I thought that, the game that Tech had a really big offensive uh, performance at home was against Kansas State. Obviously, it wasn't because they weren't here, but it was Iowa State. So I just kind of want to go back and if anybody yelled at the at the radio on their way to work, I'm sorry. It, it was Iowa State. Yeah, Tech still has two games against Iowa State to play. They what? So Texas Tech still has two games. They still have... That can't be right. They've already played them once. Have they? You sure? Yeah, I just said that. <laughs> I, 
January 18th, the Tech won 72 to 52. All right, you're right. They, they, they just have to go up to, to Ames then? Yes. Yeah, they, they still do. All right, really quickly before we, we move on, I want to look at the um, Haslametrics uh, projections for the next couple of games. Just Okay, well, hey, well, while you're doing that, I've have you heard about our friends at my bookie Spencer? Uh, I'm I'm old friends with these guys. <laughs> well, while you're looking that up, let me tell you more about them. I, I don't know about y'all listening, but a game is ten times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup. Sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team. Regardless whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. Uh, baseball is about to start up. Uh, you've got March Madness coming up. There's a lot of interesting games to take uh, take a look at. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, to activate the offer. That's promo code chair to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Okay, so looking ahead this weekend, Haslametrics has you as a eight-point favorite, eight-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against the Cowboys. Interestingly enough, they also have you as, if the game were to be played now, as a five-point favorite on the road at Oklahoma, which outside of... Baylor is probably your most tricky road game left on the schedule. Now, coming back home to face Kansas State, you are... Oh, well, Waco. Yeah, 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 you're right. Sorry. Gotcha. Home versus Kansas State, you are a 15-point favorite. Wow. Which is bigger than it was against the TCU last night. I think it was at 11. Yeah, I was about to say, I think I saw 10 and a half or something like that. Interesting enough, though, you would be an eight-point favorite against Kentucky right now. If only you could play that game again. Yeah, I think that was kind of a turning point for both teams. Obviously, <laughs> marked by that article, we don't know what what this metrics say about mm-hmm. how Kentucky's fared since that game, but obviously Tech's done pretty well. You'd be a two-point favorite against Baylor. Ooh. You are... That game just keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's That could be a really, especially, really fun game. Especially with their, their streak that, that they're going on right now. Yeah, and I think it, I mean, it, it's, it's a Monday night, 8 p.m. on ESPN. That's the big Monday game, right? I mean, March 2nd. Yeah, that'll be Monday night. I don't want to be look-ahead, let-down sandwich guy, because that is like five <laughs> games from now. But uh, either way, that that's that's going to be a, a fun one to watch. Yeah, so out past um, this next few games, you've got Oklahoma State this weekend, Kansas State next Wednesday, um, at Iowa State the following Saturday, at Oklahoma Tuesday. So you've got three road games in your next four. And then you host Texas on the road to Baylor, and home against Kansas. All right, Michael, you ready to talk about some football? You know it. Oh, 
Parker takes it at the 11. He's going to try to get to the right sideline, breaks the tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35-40. He's the midfield, the 45-40. He may go. 25, 10, touchdown, Red Raiders. Davis Webb, the freshman, screen. Underneath that, breaks the tackle still. On the sideline, turns on the juice, touchdown. So Harold in the shotgun from the 28. The throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he breaks. Oh, he's the worst. Red Raiders. Unbelievable. Touchdown. Oh, 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 Red Raiders. Michael Crabtree has done it. Let the scoring begin. All right, so we, we've got some football news to talk about, and it's not – it sucks. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, okay, let, let, let's, start, let's start with the positive. Um, Texas Tech did fill a, a a staff position on on the defensive side of the ball on the football coaching staff with former LSU defensive analyst Kevin Cosgrove. Uh, he will be joining the Red Raiders. An official announcement was made today, although it's been kind of in the works for a while. He will be the new linebackers coach. Um, and me framing that as as positive should give you you know a little bit of a clue about how bad the other piece of stuff that we're talking about. Cause really quickly, I don't want to like bash on him before we even see him coach any for, for Texas tech, but Kevin Cosgroves, if you just look at his career trajectory was going the wrong direction. Um, he was a, a defensive coordinator at a, at a power five school. And then he was a co-defensive coordinator. And then he was a position coach in a group of five. And then he was a defensive analyst before this latest position at, at Texas Tech. So he was working his way down, right? Um, yeah. He was at, at at some big schools, for sure. Um, you know, he was at Nebraska. Uh, and then he was like, he went to Ohio. And then he went to New Mexico. Um, and then m- most recently, like I said, was at LSU. That That new LSU staff, though, really intriguing. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but they hired Bo Pelini as their defensive coordinator. Yeah. I'm that's those press conferences. They, it should just be gosh, sec media days. You got Kiffin, you've got Bo Pelini, you've got Mike Leach. uh, You got coach. O. you've got, yeah, Leach. I mean, it's Saban. It's, it's going to be nuts. It's going to be fantastic. And then the offensive side, they hired Scott Linehan to take that, uh, passing game coordinator position that Brady vacated when he moved out to the the Panthers. Oh, that's right. So, man, Cowboys fans rule got him. Aware. Rule got him a good one. <laughs> Coach O, maybe not. Um, all right, so we we briefly touched on it last last week in the episode, um, and then our takes very quickly aged. Uh, there was an article that came out the morning that we that we released about Duffy, Jet Duffy, former Texas Tech quarterback, being denied admission to Central Michigan and that he would continue looking for a place to transfer to. But that on this, in this denial, they didn't talk about academics. They said it was almost purely because of a second Title IX incident that they were were looking into. Um, and it's something that I, I guess was very lightly reported on beginning of December. Uh, but obviously all of us, uh, 
Um, at least all me. I, I had really no idea about this other one. Um, no, no, me neither. And it was, it was interesting that, and and I think when we recorded last week, it was on a Wednesday night, and I'm not even sure if that Central Michigan paper had all of this detail right now because they did. You know, they actually interviewed. Well, just to catch everybody up, okay. Last March, March of 2019, Duffy was accused of sexually assaulting a young woman here in town. And she actually went on the record with this central Michigan paper and talked about the events and how it's affected her. And, uh, she put her name out there and I mean, it's, she shared the details. They're, they're pretty intense and it's horrific, man. Yes. It's It's it's, disgusting. Yeah. It's beyond horrific really. And there's, uh, there's been no response from tech um, I mean, so sorry to backtrack a little bit more. Um, once when, after this awful evening, she did file, I think it was just a little over a week later, she filed a formal complaint with title, the title nine office at tech. And I think eventually they entered a mediation process and she, she also filed a police report later on that year in, in May with the LPD, the central Michigan paper had all this. And I'm, I'm not sure how we have a theory that perhaps someone here leaked a bunch of stuff to them so that they could then, uh, post it here. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, it's, it's very damning. It's awful. Uh, the mediation that took place that both parties basically agreed to through the title nine process was on September 19th. And then of course y'all remember Duffy started his first game, not two weeks later, maybe. And it's just got this awful stink to it. There has been zero response that I'm aware of from Texas tech, uh, from, you know, from Matt Wells, from Robert Giovanetti, from Kirby Hoka, from anybody about this. And it seems like they're just kind of hoping it just goes away. Yeah. And I'm, it's, it's one, it's, it's, it's put more light back on, onto the title nine investigation process and how just woefully underpowered they are. Right, because um, we, right. we we heard through the process that like they they basically take their direction on whatever they do in their investigation from the person who makes the complaint, right? And then that goes anywhere from pursuing legal action to all that kind of stuff. They basically just do what they're told, which feels flimsy at best to say this person knew of a reported suspected sexual assault but didn't want to say anything because the victim didn't want to like that, that, that feels fishy to me. And I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to know all that goes on in the title line office. I know that they deal with a lot of stuff. Um, and it's just, it's a weird position to be in that they have to, they also have to maintain some level of privacy and anonymity with the students as they're going through that. So there is, 
plausible deniability that the athletic department would not have known about Duffy being investigated by the Title Line office. However, right. that goes out the window when the police report is filed in May. I like, agree. I mean, I don't everybody, know how. Everybody in the football tra- training facility in May should have known Duffy is being investigated for another sexual assault where he drugged a woman. This is not the first time it's happened. The first time it happened, he was found responsible, which is the Title IX version of being guilty without there being any legal ramifications. Right, because he appealed. He appealed and then sued the university for uh, due process, all that kind of stuff. So the same set of situate the same set of circumstances come back up it looks like a repeat offense with a different victim i don't know if you can say thankfully or not because that's disgusting that it even happened once but any any deniability goes out the window when there's a police report filed now the 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 police said that there was not enough evidence to to do anything about it at that point granted this is two, two and a half months later. Um, right. And the first, it, if the timeline is correct, the first action that happened after the sexual assault was a week and a half later, the victim went to the Title IX office but didn't do any kind of medical examination post this evening. Right? There wasn't any kind of going to the ER and having that kind of stuff tested for so there wouldn't be much physical evidence, even about the time that she got to the timeline office, like bruises that were, she claimed to have been there would have mostly been gone by then. Um, definitely. So by may besides, you know, the, the mental and emotional trauma that, that this, this woman sustained. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so that, uh, that just all, all goes back when it's like, well, even if, if you hear that he's being investigated for a second Title IX offense, there's no reason to keep him around. Like you don't have to you don't have to meet the standards of a legal prosecution of being found guilty to remove him from the football team. It can be, you know, violation of team rules or doesn't uphold the team standard, whatever you want to phrase it as, and Duffy's gone. I think maybe they may have been a little gun shy since he did previously sue the university for due process. And they're like, well, he's already got a lawyer. We don't want to go through that again. But also the flip side looks like they were like, well, they said there wasn't enough evidence. We'll, we'll, we'll roll with that, I guess. Yeah. There's without them saying anything. And by them, I mean, any official at Texas Tech, without anyone saying anything, there's no way to to justify this, really, that I can think of. Uh, it, it just just smells like somebody knew somewhere and either chose to ignore it or didn't care or both. And, I mean, that obviously Tulane, that was their issue, I'm sure, when they did an investigation into... Um, allowing Duffy to come in. And last week I didn't, you know, I was, I was more concerned with like, well, how did, how did he get a degree if he can't get into either of these schools academically? Well, obviously it may not just be academics that's keeping him out. And 
I just, I understand the Title IX thing makes it more sensitive and it makes it different and it, it, it's designed to protect the victim, to, to keep the victim in, and it's, you know, it's, it's designed to protect the accused as well, to, to try to keep things from going out of control if there's nothing there. It sure doesn't sound like there wasn't, I mean, there's a lot more than nothing here. I mean, this is not, the fact that this woman's come out and released her name and released all this info, I don't see any reason why she would do that except that this was all true and this all happened to her and she needs to tell people about it. And that's, that's the only way I can see that making any sense. So I, I get why the title nine is in place. I get some of the quote unquote benefits of it, but I just still have such a hard time believing that no one at that football facility had an inkling that this was going on. And when they did know, why why was he allowed to stick around? Sure, I because mean, it's not like you know, maybe wait till the thing's over and then address it. And or I don't know. It's it okay. So really to, smells bad. To, to your point, maybe they're waiting for for the, the Title Nine thing to be wrapped up. It got wrapped up in in the bye week following the Arizona game. You remember what happened in that Arizona game? Alan Bowman yeah. was injured. And then this magically gets mediated where both parties come together and agree to an apology that Duffy reads from what his lawyer wrote and supposedly never actually said the words, I'm sorry, or took any I responsibility. Think his lawyer for it. wrote it right then while they were in the, which is what, yeah, this is what the, the victim had, 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 um, had said. But it's it's awfully suspicious timing then too, that they're like, well, we'll, we'll let the timeline thing play out, and then it seems like his lawyer takes the lead on this and pushes for this mediation, maybe, and gets it pushed through in a time when the starting quarterback is all of a sudden hurt. Sure, and and that could even, and that maybe could be a hundred percent. It's not an excuse, but this could even explain why. Uh, Tyner started in Norman. Yeah, this was like Duffy's punishment, right? He missed two series. Sure. I mean, but, but, but that's the thing. All we're left to do is speculate. That's all we're left to do because no one is filling in these blanks for us. They're just hoping that we all forget about it. Which, professionally, as somebody that works in the communications and PR world, like this is a no-no. It's a big no-no because of what's happening right now with us. We may be like miles from the truth and what we've just discussed for the past 10 minutes. But that's the thing is like Texas Tech is not setting the record straight. So every version of the story could be possible. Yeah. And Texas Tech won't or you know has, has proven that they're not going to say anything. They're just going to hope it dies out. And no comment is not a strategy. Like, that's not a thing that you say anymore. Well, and we haven't even brought up the timing of him, uh, quote-unquote, electing to transfer. How how elective was that? Was he forced to move on? Was this kind of part of the deal? Like, okay, hey, if, if, you, if you mind your P's and Q's, these 
three months after this mediation, then we'll put in a good word for you to transfer at the end of the year. But we we can't have you here after this season. I mean, there, there's even that to consider. The other thing that's kind of secondary to this is that, that was brought up about how many other student athletes across the country have transferred with pending sexual assault cases following them. And that there was one, there's a, there's a track athlete currently at Texas Tech that had a sexual assault allegation. I don't remember the, the severity of it, whether it was, you know, if it was just an allegation or if there was an investigation, if media, whatever. But that when Texas Tech did their tracer, their, their background check, if you will, that this didn't come up. The other thing that, that feels weird about that is that they asked Robert Giovanetti for a comment on it. And he said, no, it never came up. And then like a couple questions later, he said, well, it didn't come up in this one, but we knew about some issues. Well, which one is it, man? Yeah. Specifically, we knew about some issues with some women on the track team. Like, well, two, two lines ago, you said you didn't, you didn't have any idea. Yeah. So like there's, there's enough pieces that if you were to string this all together, it looks very bad for Texas Tech. And they're, doing, they're not doing themselves any favors by remaining silent on it. They're letting the, the offseason and the success of the basketball team and the softball team and the excitement with the baseball team bury this news. Yeah, that's basically it. And the fact that he's no longer going to be on Tech football either. I mean, I think they they're kind of using that as a as a shield too. All right, that's what I had about our football news. It's sad. It's messed up. I don't know. Yep. Because I don't know how much anybody knew um, and the de- de- decisions they made, but I know three months ago I sat in a room with Jet Duffy and I was praising him and defending him. And now that feels really bad. <laughs> like, again, it, like I, it has nothing to do with me. Like I didn't perpetuate this or, you know, help cover this up, but I sat in a room with a man that's been, con- he's not, not been convicted. Sorry. That he's been alleged to have drugged somebody, choked them and raped them. Like it, it just, it feels real bad. Yeah. And just, just one last thing, you know, this, this football team, um, it's hard enough to root for a four and eight football team. It's that much harder to root for a four and eight football team that is okay with this kind of behavior. So it's, it's just getting to the point where I'm, I'm, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a co-host of a podcast, so we'll, we'll talk football, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's just kind of with no one addressing it. I, I don't care for how this was handled. And, um, I, I'm just, what, what little flutter of excitement I had for football is, is almost completely gone now. Yeah. Cause we had signing day last week. Spring camp should be starting here pretty soon. And maybe maybe there'll be some, some added pressure when when reporters get back around Matt Wells again. 
Yeah, I'm hoping so. I mean, I'm I'm thinking that that these guys in in Lubbock, I don't think they're gonna let it go away. The guys at the AJ, at least, I think they'll they'll step up and they'll ask some questions. And and you know, credit to uh, the author of the of the article on the Lubbock L, uh, AJ, Sarah Self Walbrick. Um, she did a great job reporting this. She spoke with the the victim directly as well, and you know, I just, I, I think that she had trouble getting info from tech on this, even through the Freedom of Information Act, uh, which should have been available, at least some of the information. So they, they're trying to, they're trying to uh, cover it up as best they can. Yeah. And, and sorry, I think I, I keep saying one more thing. This is something we talked about in our Slack chat when this was coming up that, you know, and, and our conspiracy theory about why maybe the Central Michigan paper broke this story first is that they were they were having some 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 help essentially from from the AJ staff, um, so as not to get blackballed by Tech Athletics, because yeah, as, so as, I mean. Yeah, because in, in the theory with that would be, okay, well, if we leak the info to you, then it's already out there, then we get to post ours because we've been trying to work this up, but we don't know what kind of pushback we're going to get. And, hey, guys, anybody listening, complete speculation on our end because that's all we're left to do at this point. Because you, but, won't, you won't issue a statement. Yeah, but it's just kind of interesting that a student paper in Central Michigan had all this information, had access to the victim, had this a copy of the police report that they posted on their website. Um, you know, just kind of strange that, <laughs> that they were able to do all this digging for a, a transfer student, possible transfer student. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Okay. Michael, let's, let's talk about some baseball. Um, all right. You know, I, I, I've said this. I'm probably going to sit down this week and do it. Now that we have the season coming up, I, I need to cut uh, some bumper music here. Some exciting baseball highlights to go into uh, our baseball topics. There are quite a few. We definitely need uh, some of that Super Regional Game 3 highlights. It, it may just be all like postseason highlights um, from last year. Specifically, you know, regional, then super regional taking down Oklahoma State, then going to the World Series and um, defeating Arkansas and Florida State. All good things. Um, okay, so baseball season kicks off Friday afternoon, 1 p.m. You were hosting Houston Baptist. You had this um, the same kind of three-way tournament or three-team split weekend thing last season where you bring in two teams. Um, you play Houston Baptist Friday afternoon, Saturday afternoon. Um, and then you turn around and then you have a doubleheader Saturday and then play Northern Colorado. Um, and then Northern you play Northern Colorado again on Sunday and the Northern Colorado and Houston Baptist play. Yeah, I think they play each other on maybe Friday evening and 
and Sunday? Saturday evening? Or is there, maybe it's Sunday. Sorry. I, I know they play each other twice, of course. Yeah. So you've got your, your first game Friday afternoon, uh, 1 p.m. on Fox Sports Southwest. For those that are interested in watching and can't make it out, um, sh- the weather should be back to be pretty normal, pretty warm. Although if you need to be home getting ready for Valentine's Day, definitely catch on Fox Sports Southwest. The games on Saturday and Sunday, you will need to fire up your TexasTech.tv subscription. Um, that I, I think is 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 a pretty good investment for for baseball fans. Um, basically, seven dollars for a twenty four hour pass. Um, you don't really have a great twenty four hour window in that first weekend to to catch games. I mean, if you wanted to catch the uh, the two Saturday games. You can get those on the twenty-four hour pass. Um, that's for seven, or you can you can bump up another couple dollars, nine ninety-five a month, um, and you can go month to month on that, which is probably what I, I will do for the the baseball season. Um, but then well, going, and I think they have a don't they have an app on Apple TV and Roku and on Roku mm-hmm, for sure, um, and then eighty dollars a year will also get you more access to more sports throughout the fall. Uh, so your first weekend, you've got four games, uh, two against Houston Baptist, two against Northern Colorado. Um, three of those will be on TexasTech.tv, one on Fox Sports Southwest. For those looking for an in-depth preview, we've, we've got too much other things to talk about in the podcast to, to, to dive deep into, into baseball um, at this point in the season. So you need to be checking out Dinger Derby for sure. Keith Patrick will get you guys ready. He released another episode um, Monday with uh, Gus. Oh, what's his last name? Well, that's, I think that's his. It's George Watson and. Well, it's Gustafson, isn't it? Gustafson, Mike, yeah. It's Mike, Mike Gustafson. Gustafson. That is his is. last. I, I, I wrote Gus. I don't know why I did that. Well, I, I think I, they call him that. Yeah, and I, I've been watching too much Psych, where it's uh, Sean and Gus. <laughs> That's the character. Anyways, um, he'll, he'll have a, a preview episode coming up for you guys. Then going forward, uh, Texas Tech will be going down to Round Rock for the Round Rock Classic, Dell Diamond. Um this is this is that that tournament where you will need to buy another subscription. This is for FlowLive.tv. This is the same same group that did the um, the tournament you played in in Frisco last last year. But these games you'll play Tennessee, Stanford, and Houston. These are all big time schools. Um, definitely resume boosting uh, opportunity in that that second weekend. Friday the 21st, Saturday, Saturday, and then Sunday. Um, that subscription is twelve fifty nine. Sorry, twelve fifty a month. And I think you have to do at least a, one month, of, if not more. Yeah, like, I, I, remember I wasn't, it was, it was strange I wasn't last sure year. on that because I, I know that you guys have subscribed to it before, but I, for some reason I thought there might have been like a three-month minimum, but I don't think that's true. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have to look into it. Um, so Keith helped us uh, help, help with some clarification, um, on some of the broadcasting rights. Um, Texas tech will remain on Fox sports this season, um, for their tier three games for, for baseball. Um, so you wouldn't need any, any, um, ESPN plus subscription 
for home games. Now, you, yes. You may need some away games um, to catch those. But I'm, I'm not sure what the overlap is between TexasTech.tv and ESPN Plus, if you can still get away with, with Texas Tech TV and not have to pick up another ESPN Plus subscription. However, <clears throat> excuse me, you will be moving some more of your baseball games to ESPN Plus starting next season. So there is still a possibility you would need to fire that ESPN Plus subscription back up, but it wouldn't be for any home games in the 2020 season. Um, if you guys haven't been, been keeping up and paying attention, Texas Tech is a consensus top 10 preseason team. Uh, majority of the rankings actually are at third. There are a handful, just a few at six. Um, the depth and talent of this team seems focused in the starting rotation and bullpen. The pitchers are what's going to help carry this team. You replace a lot of guys out in the field and the offensive lineup. But with the reports we've been getting from Keith, uh, he's been going to, to some some spring practices and scrimmages. Guys like Jace Young, Cal Conley, definite contributors day one. Um, and then you've got, you know, guys like John McMillan, Brian Klein, Dylan Noisy, um, Braxton Fulford, guys that you've been seeing for a while. Cody Masters uh, will be some of your, your Star Wars starters, stalwart starters. Almost, almost said Star Wars. <laughs> That's not the same. Um, but yeah, so Keith and I actually went to the tailgate dinner at Kegels on Friday night, and it was an opportunity for them to kind of introduce the team. They, they, they get the, all the, the players up class at a time, so they get all the freshmen up and all the sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And then, they, and then they'll have like a panel-type interview with two of the players this year. It was John McMillan and Brian Klein. And these dudes were hilarious. John McMillan... It's just so down to earth. He's he's a he's a really cool dude, but he's also he was cracking me up. There were a couple of things he said um, where he's working to be a starter, um, which requires him to kind of pull back a little bit on his velocity and the intensity. Um, but he was asked about that, and he you know what it's like to not you know throw 100 miles an hour all the time, and he said something to the effect like, "Well, I still have that stupid kid inside of me, and Coach Gardner hates it, but." I have to let him out every now and then. <laughs> um, and obviously he, so every now and then there's going to be a heater thrown across yeah. the middle. <laughs> and hopefully he, the middle. Uh, yeah. Hopefully it's, it's close enough to the zone that, that the, 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 the batter is swinging at it and hopefully missing. But obviously he's just got to make sure those radar, those radar guns still work. Yeah. He, he was mentioning coach Gardner. who's the, the, the pitching coach. Um, and then uh, Tim Tallock got up to follow them. Dude is so uncomfortable to be in that kind of position to be interviewed in, in, in front of a lot of people. But out of his awkwardness came a lot of really funny one-liners. Um, but also a lot of like really cool insight into to who he is and how he is as a baseball coach. Uh, one of the questions he was asked is like, why is it that you guys are, are still so, um, so diligent about scheduling such a difficult schedule? And he, he got off in this little rant. Um, but he basically said, you know, I'm I'm not a surfer, but if I were, I'd go after the biggest waves. Nice. I was like, well, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. So I, I jumped on Twitter and shared that real quick. Um, 
It, yeah, it, that's, it was that's a pretty good analogy for a West Texas boy to make. <laughs> and he, he clarifies, like, you will not find me in the ocean. They, he was talking about, like, he and his wife actually went on a vacation last summer after the season and went out to San Francisco, San Francisco that area. He said his wife tried to drag him to the beach. He's like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. Um, but anyways, the, the three of them, Tim Tadlock, John McMillan, Brian Klein, all really personable, funny guys, uh, really enjoyable evening. I was, I, I told Keith as, a, as a, I sat down for dinner, I was like, man, just walking into this, this event got me like even more excited and ready for the season to start. Um, that'll be coming up on Friday. Hey, are you going to be able to go? You think, or so I, I may go for a little bit of the Friday game. I don't, I don't know what our schedule is this weekend, the Saturday games. Um, but I definitely need to be home Friday to cook dinner for the wife. Sure, of course. I, I just didn't. I, was, I know you usually try to go to the opener. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna try. Um. Yeah. Anyways, um, like like we said a little bit a little while ago, if you want to get that full preview episode, Dinger Derby is going to be the, your spot to check out. Uh, obviously, hit them up. Hit Keith up on Twitter, Dinger underscore Derby. Instagram, TTU underscore Dinger Derby. Um, they had an episode two weeks ago, no, last week, with Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball. And this past week, like I said, Mike Gustafson and George Watson. Um, he's going to have an episode ready for you guys. And then a recap. He always does a real good job of recapping those things. Um, so be sure to check him out. And then I'm sure he'll be posting all that kind of stuff over on Staking the Plains as well. But the podcast... Uh, basically anywhere that you find us, you'll find them. Be sure to check it out. Uh, one more thing on baseball before we, we move on to your questions. Um, I am coaching little league again. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I mentioned that we had our first event today, had our meet the coaches event. Um, I cannot believe it's baseball season, Spencer. It just still doesn't seem right. It can't be. Well, this is crazy. I feel like we were just talking about um, what were y'all last year? The Cubs. Yep. Yeah, we were the Cubs last season. Yep. I, I just feel like we were just talking about your experiences with parents and with refs and all that stuff last year, and uh, here we are again. So, I decided because of the experience last year, I was going to be the head coach this year, um, which I. I'm sure counterintuitive. We'll, <laughs> you you took on more responsibility instead of less. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be great, but it also like I I put together like some practice plans and some drills, and I shared all that all that stuff stuff with the parents. It's like, hey, if you're interested in what we're going to be doing in practice, if you want to try to do some of this at home to help continue the the learning and the practice, please be my guest. Also, I need two more coaches, so here's what I'm gonna be here's what I'm going to be working with. If you think you can help out with these areas, let me know. Um, yeah, we had our meet the coaches event. Uh, I've got 13 kids on the team. 11 came to the event tonight. Two of them said they couldn't make it, but I got them the information they needed. Um, cause we got to turn in our uniform order already. We got to get kids numbers. Had to know if they had any food allergies and all that fun stuff. Tell them where and when, how long we're going to be practicing. And no, I don't have the game schedule yet. Be patient. <laughs> we'll probably start playing games in about a month. We got we got to hit the practice field first. 
So this year, uh, we are the Tigers, Detroit Tigers. Um, Grayson's number like I I let him pick. He wanted to be the Rangers. When I went to the draft on Sunday, there were 13 teams uh, there, which feels like a whole lot more than it was last season. We had 165 kids sign up for this division in our league alone. There's 165 five- and six-year-olds in this league, which just blows wow. my mind. That, that seems like a lot. Um, anyways, the 13 coaches, we all draw a number that one will tell us our draft order. But the first thing that we draft or we choose is our team name. Um, I, dra- I drew number 11. So I was like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> oh, man. All, all the teams that Grayson picked were probably going to come, come up with something like last second when they get to me. It's like, oh, crap. All my, my choices are gone. I expose. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. I, I, when I played Little League, I, I was an expo. Yeah, I think we had Expos when I played, too. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that was a long time ago. Yeah, a long, long time ago. Um, He wanted to be the Rangers. Very first team off the board was the Rangers. Like, oh, crap. (laughs) I should have known that. Anyways, he gave me this list of four teams he really liked. Surprised me. It was um, Detroit Tigers, because I think he liked the D in the logo. Because I I first showed him all the logos – uh, and I asked him, "Hey, which ones? Which ones do you like? Which ones do you want?" He said, "The Rangers, the Tigers. He liked the Pirates because he goes to a, a Lubbock Cooper school, and they're all about being a pirate. He liked the Giants logo, and he liked the Dodgers. Oh man, those are those are good. Good good on you, Grayson. Yeah, I was like, that's, that's, I was like, I'm, I was really proud. He didn't say the Astros. Um, <laughs> one of, one of the other teams that I was kind of trying to get him to consider was the, the Orioles, but he, he, he didn't really like it. So Rangers were off the board first. Um, Dodgers were Weren't like the si- Orioles terrible last year. Why did you want to consider the Orioles? Well, not because, not because they're good. I mean, I just, I like black and orange. Okay. Oh, such. okay. Okay. I got you. And, and I like their logo. It's, just, it's cool. I don't know. Um, because if I'm not going to be the, the Rangers, it, it's really not, not really I'm not constrained to how good they were in the <laughs> in the professional league. That's very true. And, and the kids don't care. Um, but like the second or third team wanted to be the Dodgers. Like, okay, here goes our list. But then nobody else picked a team that we wanted. So we, we got our, our second choice, basically, the, the Tigers at number – team number 11. And then we, we did our, our freezes. So any coach could freeze their, their own kids t- to their team. Um, which means I didn't have, like nobody could draft Grayson. Like he was going to be on my team no matter what. And then we did a snake draft, which was cool. Going at the end, I got to have almost back to back picks. Um, yeah, s- several times. And then I also had to sit there for a while. But the thing with with this age group, there's no tryout, so there's no actual evaluation and drafting of players. You're just drawing names out of a hat. Well, you're drawing a number that corresponds with the the big list of players that have registered. So, anyways. Drafted 13 kids, got six six-year-olds, seven five-year-olds, and a modified T-ball. It's going to be incredible. I, I <laughs> here's here's what I think you should do. Are you familiar with Magnum PI? No. Okay. All right. Tom Selleck, old show from the 80s. He was a was a private investigator in Hawaii. Drove a kick-ass Ferrari. Wore Hawaiian shirts. 
huge Detroit Tigers fan. So I want to see you on the sidelines with a Hawaiian shirt and your <laughs> Tigers cap and your sunglasses, and, and that's going to be your official coaching attire every week. I, I did go go ahead and pick up my, my customized Detroit Tigers fitted cap this this morning. Schools was it, it's a, a good look too. Schools on on a two hour delay because there was water on the ground. Um, and I dropped Grayson off. I was like, you know what's what's about to open as I was leaving the school, like the mall. Like I'm gonna go I'm gonna go grab the hat today. <laughs> One, because I, I also wanted to have the hat for tonight. Um, so I went and dropped fifty bucks on a hat, which is it's fine because I did it last year and it's part of you know the experience. And Grayson loves having his number on the side of my hat. He gets as much of a kick out of it as I do. Um, he, he loves it. Anyways, I, I did that. Um, you know, I, I walked in and I said, I need a a Navy Detroit Tigers hat. And he pointed like right over my shoulder. He's like, there you go. I was like, ah, great. It's like, I also want, need to customize it. He's like, all right, let's do it. So, so I put his number embroidered on the side of my hat, number 95. Well, dude, I, I think that's really cool. Just kind of a fun thing to It'll be kind of a cool keepsake for you over the years anyway. And, you know, all these that hats cap like... probably gets pretty wore out as much as you wear it coaching and going to all the games. And, you know, it, it it's going to be anywhere between 40 degrees and 199. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those those uh, May games last season were, were pretty toasty. Yeah. All right, Michael, you ready to get on to, to some of our questions? I am ready. Let's do it. Now. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy? Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, so first question up. Red Raider Reset, man. What would you consider a successful year for basketball? Round of 32, Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four. So working backwards, obviously Final Four, Elite Eight, I think are successful. Sweet 16, I think about the threshold. Um, as long as a team is not suffering any kind of catastrophic injuries, knock on wood, I think you should expect to get through the round of 16. Uh, sorry, through the round of 32. You you win your, your first two games. Uh, anything past the Sweet 16 is obviously gravy, but I think once you get past out of the round of 32, you've done pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I could even make an exception for if you lose your second game, maybe because it's just a terrible matchup. Maybe just there was some crazy reason why this team was maybe one of the few that you were going to lose to in that whole uh, side of the bracket. So I would consider... Yeah, Sweet 16 would definitely be successful for me to get out of that first weekend. That's, you know, that's what I would consider successful. You know what was a terrible matchup last season? That second-round game against Buffalo. Oh, that's right. Remember, Remember what happened? We were supposed to lose by 100 or something. Because they, they were all about shooting the three or whatever. Mm. They were the number six Buffalo Bulls. Yeah, they're the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot about that. 
the Bulls and the Bills in the same town. Gosh, I can't. What? Where? What's the score in that game? I'm just seeing a bunch of picks and predictions. No, give me the score. This is. You need to know the real stuff. This is great. Seventy-eight, fifty-eight. We beat them by twenty. Yeah, Tech was fine. We're just fine because they were thirty-two and three going into the game versus Texas Tech. Like, oh man, we got this. Um, Texas Tech had a eight-point lead at halftime, thirty-three twenty-five, and then put up forty-five more points in the second half. So yeah, not too bad. Not too shabby. Um, all right, that'll do it for questions. Surprisingly, thanks, Right Raider Reset Man. Michael, did you have any um, any experiences growing up playing youth sports? Uh, yeah. I mean, I started I started basketball probably third or fourth grade. Uh, baseball about the same time. Yeah. I mean, well, actually, baseball before that because I did play t-ball. So, short answer, yeah. What was your favorite? Favorite? Uh, it was basketball. I loved. I loved it. I. This is how cool I was and how much I knew about basketball when I started was um, I played in jean shorts. Ooh, that's yeah. special. It was, we had a church league and uh, <laughs> I tried it out there because they were the shorts I wanted to wear and they were <laughs> jean shorts tucked with my t-shirt tucked in and nice. gosh, I don't, I don't know if, if I even had a bucket draw iron the first year, uh, much less go in. So but I always loved it, and it was always really fun. And, um, you know, the other kids were playing. I had all sorts of friends that were playing, and there was a concession stand, and that's fun. So, I mean, and it was indoors. <laughs> but what what about you? So I, I played baseball most growing up, shocker. Um, and the last year I played, I was I was awful. We were on not, not a very good team. But my first hit of that season probably came three or four games in. It, it, it took a while. Um, I crushed feel out the. I crushed the, the one, plate. and it like hit at least halfway up the fence. I was like, man, I was a couple of feet away from hitting a home run. But what happened was, about the time I was getting to first is when it hit the fence, and my first base coach was like, man, you better hurry if you're gonna get two. <laughs> I remember like, <laughs> like turning on the jets, trying to get to second base. Like if you, anybody see me, I'm like, I'm, I'm bigger now, like taller and, and heavier, but like, my gonna, I was not a skinny kid. Like it was Cam Warren esque of like, I need to get moving. Um, and I beat out the throw. I, I was safe. Um, and I remember I had another, another hit that game. Cause I was feeling it, man, where I hit a screamer screaming line drive back at the pitcher. He dove one way. I think because it it he was blocking the second baseman, he didn't see it very quickly, so he dove out of the way. I was like, yeah, they're just diving out of the way of me. Um, <laughs> that was about the extent of my success that season. I had two hits in a game, and I was like, yeah, I've made it. No. Well, did you did you ever get to be the kid that when you stepped up to the plate, you know, the coaches and everybody was like, you know, move back, move back. <laughs> well, I had this weird, goofy, open stance. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm right-handed, but I had my left foot kind of back a little bit more like up the third baseline. And I remember whether it was that game or another game, uh, or when we played this team again, when I, the first time I came up, 
the third base coach turned to his left fielder and said, you need to scoot back. Mm. And I think it's because I had turned that way. Like, like I was trying to intentionally hit that way. But what I, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't leave my stance open. Like I was trying to hit to left field. Like I, one, I thought I was cool standing that way. Um, but (laughs) as, yeah, as as I did my, my, my load and stride, like it, I, I I closed back off. I, I, I straightened back up in my, my stance. It wasn't like I was just, you know, leaving my my hips open to third base, trying to rake it out to left field or anything. Um, but yeah, that was my favorite. Uh, I had a, a one really cool game my last year of little league. Oh, and it was your last year of Little League? Mm-hmm. Because it was wow, like... Wow, what, what a high note. You ended on a high note. It was that time, like, we didn't have that intermediate league that went between the oldest elementary league and, like, high school. Like, there, there, like we didn't have a middle school baseball team. We had, like, those travel and select teams, and I was not about that. Because they, they, they played a whole lot more than, than I wanted to, and I was off, obviously wasn't very good. Yeah, we had... It, I, I can't keep up with the leagues. They've all changed so much. But um, between elementary and high school, there was, I think it was T-shirt league or something like that. That had kind of had a weird name. And then there was another separate league. Yeah, yeah there were a couple. But I, sixth grade was my last year. I think I was, I was done. Yeah, and then I remember trying out for baseball my freshman year of high school. Um, and then I, I remember getting to the team. I was like, oh, these are all the guys that played on the, on the select team. That I didn't want to play with and look how good they are. <laughs> I'm not going to make it like the second day I tried. I was like, I pulled aside. I was like, I, I, I don't think you need to come back. It's like, okay, thanks. <laughs> You're like, I agree with you. This was, this, this was, was a terrifying. mistake. These guys still really hard. <laughs> I, can, can I just, can I just sit on the bench with you guys? Can I get out of class? Can I just go with you? Please? I'll keep I'll keep the books, man. <laughs> I'll be the score. I'll be the announcer. Just let me know. Um, but yeah, that's 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 what I did. That was my, my favorite part. Uh, let's 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 hit what we what we learned and and wrap it up for this week. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right, Michael. What did we learn? I learned that in Munster, Texas, there's a little. Uh, they have a grocery store there, Fisher's Meat Market, and they make their own sausage. They have their own butcher. It's, they have a ton of uh, great cheeses and sauces and jellies and everything you can think of that they make there. And a coworker of mine had bought sausage there a long time ago, grilled it and brought it up to the office. It was phenomenal. And so we were in the area. We went to go see Jason Isbell at the Windstar Casino a few weeks ago and I was like, we're going to drive right through this Munster, Texas that I've never been. So we stopped, we got three or four pounds of sausage. I cooked, uh, the kielbasas up on the grill on Sunday and fellas, that's good. It's good <laughs> stuff. You got to hit up Fisher's meat market. If you're ever in the, in the big town of Munster, Munster, let's, let's, let's look that up real quick. Where is Munster, Texas? It is. Just west of I-35. Primarily a German Catholic city in western Cook County. So it is... Oh, I've got to zoom out to see another town. Like west if you of, go due east from Wichita Falls and and just stay on 82, I think, you'll, you'll hit it. It's it's right before you hit I-35. Yeah, it's, it's west of Gainesville, 
in south or east southeast of Wichita Falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. It's more southeast than east. Uh, it's 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 a little south. It's mostly east. <laughs> it's it, it's a ways away for us out here in uh, West Texas. But if you're in the Dallas area, you're not too far from Frisco or Denton, Decatur area, Sanger. Oh, and and my mother-in-law sent my wife and I like 12 pounds of sausage from through the mail. So we've, we've got so much sausage in the freezer and it's, it's from Florida and ah, man, I'll, I'm going to type this up so that I can remember to look for the name next week. But guys, it is some of the best sausage I've ever had. It tastes like it came straight off the smoker. No matter how you heat it up, it's super smoky. Um, that sounds good. Gosh, and I cannot remember the name of it. I, I like it even better than what we picked up in in Munster, but um, Munster's a little closer, a little bit closer of a commute. But they obviously will mail the the this Florida sausage company will obviously mail because we had a an igloo, not igloo, but a uh, a styrofoam cooler full of disposable ice packs and twelve pounds of link sausage, like hickory smoked and nice. Uh, Cajun style and all sorts of stuff. All right. Well, that'll do it for us this week on the 23 personal podcast. Be sure to check out the basketball game this Saturday in Stillwater baseball games all weekend long. Um, Get all your Texas tech sports fix wherever you look for Michael. I'm Spencer. We will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.